We talk about museums as public institutions and about the need for museums and galleries to be more relevant to their communities. But what does it really mean to be the cultural heart of a town? Welcome to Museums in Strange Places. I'm your host, Hannah Hethman, and this is a podcast for people who love museums, stories, culture, and exploring the world. This year, I'm living in Iceland, and in each episode, I visit a different Icelandic museum to discover what stories they hold and how they reflect and shape Iceland's unique cultural identity. Center of Culture and Fine Art is a contemporary art gallery and collection in the heart of downtown Hapnafjörður, an old port town 10 kilometers south of Reykjavik. With 28,000 residents, Hapnafjörður is the third largest city in Iceland, and the Hapnaborg Center, the only art museum in town, sees about 20,000 visitors a year. They take this responsibility as the art museum in town very seriously. One of their goals is to create grounds for diverse cultural life in the town while putting on exhibitions that reflect contemporary trends and movements in the field. How does a contemporary art institution, places that are notoriously elitist, provide a thriving cultural center in a town that's on the periphery of Iceland and the world? After a cold but sunny afternoon spent wandering around Hatnafjöður's old houses mixed in among lava formations, I sat down with director Augusta Kristoffersdottir to learn more about the Hapneborg Center. Hapneborg, the Hapneborg Center of Culture and Fine Arts, will turn 30 and 35 next year. 30 and 35, all right, I'm excited to hear that story. (laughs) 35, 34 years ago, uh, the couple that owned the pharmacy here in Hapneborg, they donated the house and their arts collection to the municipality with the strict orders that the the town of Hapneborg would have to build uh, according to blueprints that they handed over with with the donation. Uh, an art center that should be called Hapnaborg. And five years later, uh, Hapnafjörður uh, had built the, the, the center and the museum was opened for the public. Between 1983 and 88, there were some exhibitions here uh, and the foundations for the collection of the museums were laying with, by both the, the donation of the 
Hohule pharmacists and the, the additions to the collections that were made by the, the, the artists that held exhibitions here during that five-year period, they all left works of art for the collection. And what what is the center now to the town and to Iceland and to the people here? The center is owned by Hafnafjörður, the town of Hafnafjörður, and run by the town of Hafnafjörður. It's an important cultural institution in the town. It's both an art museum with a collection, and we collect uh, works of art that are current, both for the Icelandic art scene and for Hafnafjörður. We have exhibitions, both of the collection and then contemporary and modern art exhibitions. And we try to stay in the forefront of art museums in Iceland, and I think we're doing quite a nice job there. We have uh, around 12 exhibitions each year. That's quite a lot. Uh, Maybe 10 of them are exhibitions of contemporary modern and contemporary art from artists outside of the collection and then two exhibitions are from the collections and we also have uh, for the last maybe 10 years or so we have uh, exhibited design both urban design and design objects and now for example we have two exhibitions here that both are on design one is an exhibition on Japanese design and the other on local design, but in industrial design from Hapnafirdus, one object there we have. Apart from the exhibition and museum function of the center, we also have a, a very good or you know, a, a long-running um, concert series. We have opera concerts here that are very, oh. very popular, with the, uh, ex- especially the elderly we had people in Hafnafjörður. We had one yesterday. Uh, 170 visitors or guests were here to listen to Ingibjörg and Antonia. It was really an excellent concert. And then we have a, a different kind of series, concert series that is called Kjóðan. And that is very avant-garde, uh, could you say, contemporary music that uh, we have decided that has a home here in Hafnafjörður. And they, they have been running now for, what, four, four years. And apart from that, we have all kinds of concerts. We had a song festival here last summer, and, and it's, a, it's a popular venue. I was, as I was doing my research, mm-hmm. uh, your website has some very bold claims about uh, how the community and how locals will use this space and how it will be a, a part of their lives. Would you talk about that and, and what that looks mm-hmm. like now and how it's evolved over the years? Yeah, I think um, when the, the, the institution here was founded with a donation in 1983, there was uh, a bus in the town that they it lacked a cultural center they need that the town the municipality should build a cultural center so this was really a a great gift and it came at the right time and very soon after the opening here both in 83 when the small space was opened and when the whole whole museum was opened in 88 uh, very soon after the people of Hafnafjörður they started coming here they come here a lot we have uh, over 20,000 visitors per year, uh, and uh, we, we can see that, uh, especially for the events we create here, uh, it's very popular to come, both to listen to music, to listen to lectures or guided tours about the, the exhibitions, and of course for the 
for the learning community here for the schools on different both the kindergarten and the grammar schools and uh, the high school it's popular to come um, people we yeah so I, I think it's a it's it's a sure stop for the people that visit the the center of Hafnafjörður to come here some years ago before I took over here there was the the museum held meetings with with selected representatives of the population here in Hafnafjörður and they really got the feedback hmm. that the institution is a, a place that matters for the people of Hafnafjörður do you think that's um, more effective it is the cultural center, you know, a center, or is there something unique that you think this, this space is doing that other, maybe even other community art museums and other towns, um, who are the only space, um, aren't quite making happen? Well, it's a difficult question. Yeah. Um, I think the thing here is that we are, of course, on the Periphery. I mean, we're on the periphery of Europe and of Iceland and of Reykjavik. I mean, we're really we're we're far off here, <laughs> though we feel that, that we are, you know, a spot in the center of Hafnarfjörður. And as an institution that is in the periphery, I think we are doing a, a great job of both including the the local population here. We we lay weight on having every year uh, one local artist. Mm that exhibits here but we don't give any discount of, of the formal you know uh, demands that we have regarding mm. you know but it, it has to be a part of the art scene in Iceland it has to be yeah, it has to be professional and uh, for example this year of course we have this design exhibition now and we had in the in the summertime where we had Sara Gunnarsdóttir she's a, an artist that was born and raised in Hafnarfjörður but now she lives in, in New York and is working there so the the connections to the to the community can be quite stretched sometimes <laughs> but we feel it's very important that we show the townspeople here that we follow the people that live here that move away from Hafnafjörður and the people that move to Hafnafjörður. So uh, artists, I mean, with the rising prices of real estate in Reykjavík, people have been moving here, and especially people that have been looking for alternative spaces. Uh, and of course, I mean, here you have this beautiful old town. So many people with artistic background have moved here. And we have shown interest in them to try to cultivate the artistic community here without doing anything, you know, without a special program, but with kind of watching over it and taking, yeah, helping people that come here and, and show interest in the institution. So it sounds like you're, rather than just putting on token exhibitions to bring in people, you're, you're constantly there, you're part of the community, you're always watching the art scene you're involved all the time so you don't have to have a single thing that you do to make the space matter to people no no definitely not one part of the building is of course the old house just the old apartment and what we feel is that the artists that come here and have exhibitions here or work in some in some projects with the museum they tend to feel at home here 
in the kitchen <laughs> where we can, you know, and they come for, I mean, the artists that have been exhibiting here during the period that I have been here, they tend to come to visit and sit down and have a cup of coffee here in the kitchen with us. So I think, you know, you, you try to cultivate something that people want to come again and again, both the artists that work here and then the the general population that comes here as visitors, both the, the visitors that come, you know, once, and then especially those who come again and again. And we lay great weight on trying to uh, cater for the guests that come again and again. Those are our favorite kinds of guests. <laughs> so, you know, it was just a wonderful scene earlier today. There was a school group that was here yesterday, and there was a school group today from the same school, I guess. And the, the museum teacher, she looked at one of the girls and said, weren't you here yesterday? And she said, no, no, I wasn't here. And then I said, oh, do you have a sister? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the feeling that we want to have here. Yeah. We, get, we get to know our, our guests, at least some of them, so we can recognize their faces again. <laughs> or the faces of their siblings. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of you know the local population and the community, what does the community here in Hapenfeld uh, look like? Uh, who, who lives here? What do they do? Um, how many people are here? And how many people, you know, what kind of percentage of people would you estimate are involved in the museum at some point? There are around 28,000 people that live here. The population varies a lot. Of course, there is the old Hapenfeld, the old Kaplari, that has been here for generations. And uh, live in the older. Some of them live, of course, in the older parts of the town, but some have moved to the newer part, newer areas. But then there is has been a great increase in the inhabitants here over the last decade or so. Uh, many people have moved here, both uh, foreigners. There's there are large communities of, of foreigners that live here, uh, and then, as I said before, people that have been looking for better real estate prices they live here and um, for us it's maybe easiest to approach the the really the old capillary community the community of the people that have lived here for generations the people that feel the, the ties towards the old pharmacy and the institution that has grow, been growing here for 35 years now but our goal is of course to, to reach everyone and to try to get as many people as we possibly can to visit us and to have an enjoyable visit. One of the things we do is we open the doors to, toward, uh, to uh, uh, events that are connected to the children of Hapnagurish. Mm. And it's always, you know, it's always one way. You, you, if you approach the elderly as we do with our lunch concerts and then we approach the children, we hope the people in between will come as well, uh, drawn by either their parents or their children. Uh, what we do for the children is, of course, we have uh, we we accept school groups, and we have uh, last year we had one thousand five hundred visitors visiting us in school groups for during the during the year, and workshops for the exhibitions. Next weekend we will have a workshop where you can learn to do origami and write Japanese letters. Uh, we have courses during the summertime where we welcome the local children and children from other municipalities as well to come and study. I have a, a week-long art course here. Wow. Uh, and we have uh, at Christmas we have what is called Singing Christmas or Sink and the Yosh. 
and that's a, a choir festival that is one in one day all the choirs that are working in Hafnafjörður can come here to Hafnaborg and have half an hour long concert and it runs from 10 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon how many choirs do you have here? I have no idea (laughs) (laughs) they are countless choirs (laughs) and we have both you know kindergarten and schools and just you know the church choirs and the the choirs from the elderly homes for the elderly so yeah it's one of the things that we do and there's a reading contest every year and that's held here so we try to kind of um uh, open up the institution mm-hmm. for events that are really outside of our uh, main purpose. Mm-hmm. And we look at that as a, an, a part of our outreach program to try to get people to come in here. And we feel that if people have once been over the threshold, it's easier to come back. And of course, we participate in all kinds of festivals. We participate in the national holiday on, the, on June 17th and last year for example no this year for example we had an exhibition on, on the national costume that was just for one day in the, in one of the galleries here and uh, it was just beautiful and it, I mean it's so enjoyable for like that you know for the national holiday or for the singing Christmas or the museum night in February and these events when you see people in town, the locals coming here, and they enjoy being here. They enjoy the house and what it has to offer, and it's just wonderful. I never miss June seventeenth. <laughs> I'm here then. <laughs> I think um, uh, so far in this podcast, the majority, or uh, maybe two thirds of my audience, are um, from the U.S. And I know people are going to let me know that they are incredibly jealous of what you're describing here. Um, that they are. This is their dream to have a space that is um, that does draw the community like that over and over, and, and plays an important role in their lives and in their sense of of identity as residents of Hutnafila. Uh, I can I can add to that. that yeah. Art museums tend to be kind of elitistic institutions. It lies in their heart to be kind of, and often the the art that we are exhibiting is quite unapproachable for the general public. So we try to kind of lower the threshold by having lectures, by having uh, guided tours, and by inviting the inviting people to come and for example for the vernissage here you don't have to be on the guest list you can just show up and you can have your glass of white wine and enjoy walking around and nobody asks you for the card or the so and i think that's a very important factor that we try to open up and to be yeah then you know yeah a part of the community not you know Bridge the bridge the gap all yeah. the time. We're trying to bridge it. Yeah. So it both figuratively making it easier for people to cross the threshold, yeah. and literally because it's it's a free space that you yeah. can yeah. just wander in and, yeah. and take yeah. a look. You have a nice cafe here too, right? Yeah. That people can come and sit. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw at least one reading nook. Yeah. Um, which always is dear to my yeah. heart. I love going to museum and just <laughs> settling in. Yeah. Yeah. And we created that just last year and. We took the furniture from my office <laughs> and we moved them downstairs so to the the former, uh, I think it's the dining room of the pharmacy, of the pharmacist home. 
and and we put the Chesterfield there. So yeah, people really they enjoy sitting in the Chesterfield there. Yeah, that's great. Do you see the 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 new the new, the foreign people who are settling in in Hapnafeve? Uh, do you see them coming to the museum? Do they know about it? Do they feel welcome in this institution? I'm sorry to say that no, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, we would surely like to be better at approaching the the foreign populations that live here. And I think, I mean, that's definitely something that we have to think about. That's, I think, something I would assume that is not as built into the general museum consciousness in Iceland. You haven't had, right, as many um, immigrants coming in at a time, um, and especially immigrants from non-European countries um, or non-Scandinavian countries who may not be familiar with the way things are and, and the culture. Absolutely. I so mean, it's something the, the museum field here perhaps needs to learn. One one small step we took this this fall and actually made me very, very, very happy is that uh, uh, the first immigrant from Southeast Asia to graduate from the Icelandic Arts Academy exhibited a work here. Wow. And I was really, 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 really pleased with that. Melanie Ubalto, yeah. a young girl, a woman that graduated a year ago, had a huge piece in the last exhibition. A very, it was the most dominant piece, and it was so interesting and wonderful to be able to kind of point out that that uh, see that was born in the Philippines, moved to Iceland, and has grown up in the suburbs of Reykjavik. Uh, decided to go to the Art Academy and was now exhibiting here, the kind of grandest work in the whole exhibition. It was really, really enjoyable. And um, maybe we have been focusing more on that mm-hmm. aspect of yeah. including people in the exhibition program, in the concert program. And of course, then we tend to land on the educated Western European immigrants that come here. So this was a very nice kind of involvement, a small step towards something. Uh, that's very interesting to me. It seems like a, I mean, I'm not an expert in this particular area of museums, but it seems like a, a great first step. I know so many museums in the U.S. are wrestling with this question or criticizing this attempt to bring in foreign or, in the U.S. case, our diverse um, or, or lower-served communities bring them into the museum and tell them the museum is for them, but then when they come in on the walls, they don't see that they are, are part of the museum. So to begin with the, you know, um, immigrants to immigrant artists on the wall is, is a, seems like a good first step. Yeah, and I, I know the Reykjavik Art Museum has done, done it once previously and is doing it again now, uh, especially focusing on foreign artists that live here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's... It's interesting, and we try to then, uh, we of course try to focus on that. We represent all the different groups in the society, but since we do a very strict uh, demand for Mm. professionality, it's also difficult. So it has to be, I mean, there are many steps that have to be taken by a person before she exhibits a work here. So tell me about the collection. What you have for about fourteen hundred um, pieces of artwork in the yeah. collection. Um, how would you? Is it kind of a, a consistent thing? What, what what's in there? <laughs> well, <laughs> to put uh, it simply, two hundred of the works are from the collection of the of the pharmacist couple that, mm-hmm. that donated the works to the municipality in eighty three. 
to, to describe that part of the collection in one word, it's the male art of the early 20th century. There are some women represented there, but very few. Uh, it's mostly oil on canvas, lots of landscape, uh, a beautiful collection in many ways, but limited in other ways. Uh, since then, uh, the collection has grown. Uh, approximately 1,260 works have been added to the collection since the donation. The greater part of this, uh, through donations or some kind of transitions of work and money or exhibition space and works uh, between people that have either been in the guest studio that we have been running since '86 or people that have been artists that have been exhibiting here in the galleries. Uh, we have three large donations of works. Uh, Eriko Smith, a local artist that passed away last year, a very well-known painter, extremely popular in the 1980s. Uh, he donated 300 of his works to the museum. So we hold a, a large collection of his works, both larger canvases, especially from the 1970s, and then uh, all kinds of works on paper and watercolors. Uh, we also have a great collection of Elias B. Halterson that was uh, uh, he was worked with um, what's it called Gra graphic or black art, and uh, then some works as well by Gunnar Hjaltason, a, a local artist. All these artists have some ties to Hafnafjörður that made them willing to donate their collections to the museum. Now we have one million Icelandic kroner, that is not a lot, each year to buy works for the collection. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a lot. What's that? Um, <laughs> one million kroner is about $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we try to buy things, uh, works from the exhibitions that are here in the museum. So this year we have bought one work by... Eil Saipusson, the artist that represented Iceland in the Venice Biennale this year. He had an exhibition here in 2016. And so we came to an agreement with his gallery. We were able to buy three works, or we got three works of his. It was a very good purchase. And we are planning now to buy one more work before the end of the year. That would be a work by a woman, since Eil was a man. And to be absolutely sure that you hold the gender aspect, uh, you, I mean, I, I have cre created the rule for myself, at least, that every other suggestion I make to the Art Council about a purchase has to be a woman and every wow. other has to be a man. I mean, otherwise you will just end up mixing it together and you won't be able to find the right footing. You, yeah. I mean, you have to hold equal numbers of male and of female artists here. So. How do you see in the art world in Iceland and the art museum world in Iceland uh, gender equity? I think, I mean, I learned this principle in the, in the Reykjavik Art Museum where I used to work. There was a politician there that was a very, uh, she was a good feminist <laughs> and she, every year, she made the cultural committee send a, a, a question to the Reykjavik Art Museum that asked how many women have you exhibited, how many works have you bought, and we always had to answer this. So in the back of our head, 
We yeah. just grew this consciousness about that we have to be aware of this all the time. And this is not something you can just think about sometimes. You just have to think about it all the time. I mean, I had a, a talk here last year, I remember. There was a male artist and that we had this man that came in to ask him questions in this artist talk. And I felt, well, we, this is not right. We should have a woman here. That's how strict I am with myself. But of course, we tend to sometimes be a little more on the on the feminine side. I, you know, we are women that work here in the special and the, the university educated employees of the museum are all women. And then the men are in the reception and the and uh, there's a carpenter of course that, that works here as well so but, but this is something we try to really honor and think about in all our work and we have been we were criticized for one exhibition this last spring that it was too male oriented and th- that's something that we absolutely take to our hearts and we try to be better mm-hmm. and i mean we're always trying to be better with everything in all gender aspects and i mean we can always be better we're never perfect thanks for joining me on this adventure as i explore iceland's many museums and get to know the fascinating people who run them music in this episode is by martin sindri an icelandic musician from hapnafjöður you can see photos of hapnafjöður and the hapnaborg center on my website hhethman.com. That's H-H-E-T-H-M-O-N.com. If you like this episode or have been enjoying museums and strange places generally, please take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes or send me a tweet at Hannah underscore R-F-H. Reviews and social media shares help people with great taste, like you, discover the Museums in Strange Places podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.